Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, it's good to be back home. Did you miss me last week? I missed you tremendously. I'm, obviously, I missed you more than you missed me. That was, that was pretty lame right there. It's like, I'm not going to ask that question again. Be set up for just humiliation and disappointment. But uh, uh, I, I believe you did by faith. <laughs> uh, Suzanne and I were out in Arkansas ministering at the Rock of Northwest Arkansas. I had to get on the Weather Channel to find out where exactly I was in Arkansas, but it was right there. Matter of fact, one morning uh, we, we needed something and uh, the closest place to go was a super Walmart. And next thing I know, the sign said, welcome to Missouri. I left Arkansas and was in Missouri. And, and, and then it was like uh, two miles uh, west of us, we would have been in Oklahoma. So we were, we were up there in the wherever it is, but it was beautiful country, but we're glad to be home. We uh, ministered to Pastor Todd and Autumn Murner, and uh, they send their appreciation for allowing us to come. They really received us and blessed us in return. So, all right, this morning we're on the joy of giving part four. Uh, today and next Sunday we'll wrap this series up, hopefully. Uh, I will not be done, but I will have to quit uh, because I'll be leaving for China that week. So, uh, do covet your prayers. I'm not going to say a lot about this over the next few weeks. Uh, for safety's sake, um, for us and for uh, uh, Joshua and Angel over there. This is not being t- uh, on live stream. So, uh, but I do covet your prayers as we prepare to go to China. It's, um, it is really rough in a lot of nations of the world today. In Iran, in China, in North Korea, obviously. Uh, the gospel, the, here's the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being spread in unbelievable ways in and salvation is coming to places that you never dreamed matter of fact right now they they are saying that there are more muslims coming to christ in iran proportionally to the number of christians that are coming to christ in china and I gave you some stats a couple of weeks ago about what's going on in China. It's unbelievable. They predict that about 100,000 people a month are coming to Christ in China because of the persecution. Now, if we don't want to have to have persecution to get right with God, we better start praying and doing our responsibility here on the earth in America. Because I'm telling you, God loves the American lost people as much as he loves the Chinese lost and the uh, Muslim lost and the other parts of the world. But we, we are experiencing unbelievable freedom and blessing in our nation. And I don't want you to ever forget that this is not going on in most of the nations of the world. People are literally, I read an article this week of one of the house churches in Iran. Listen to this. And this is what was her statement. She said, every day when we get up, because of our declaration of faith in Jesus Christ and our rejection of Islam and the Muslim community, she said, every day when I go out of my house, I think this might be the last time I ever come back. Because when they find us, they beat us, then they rape us, then they kill us. And she said, but what an honor to give my life to the one who gave his life for me. Wow. That's powerful. 
That, that shakes me and stirs me. And I, I don't want to ever think that the freedoms that we have here in America is what all the rest of the world is experiencing because they're not, which is why I continually have this desire and this drive to go to places where the gospel is not welcome and yet it's received. And that lives are being forever touched and changed. So uh, I do appreciate your prayer. Philip Farrar will be accompanying me uh, to China. We'll be gone. uh, We're leaving a week from Wednesday. And we'll be gone for about 12 days. And uh, I do covet your prayers as we will not be saying anything else publicly about this. All right? Open up your Bibles this morning somewhere, anywhere you'd like. We're going to start in the Old Covenant. But uh, we're talking about the joy of giving today. And uh, I have several subtitles. One of them is living a blessed life. How many of you want to live a blessed life? I believe you can live a blessed life in America, in China, in Iran, in Cuba, in Nicaragua, in Peru, in Honduras, in places where it's free and where it's not free because the blessing of God is not limited to our surroundings or the things that are going outwardly in our lives or even in our nations. The Word of God is powerful, mighty, sharper than any two-edged sword and has the ability to work in us even when we live in bondage. Today we know nothing about that in America, but there are those that do. And so I want to tell you, this word I'm preaching today is actually the same word I'll be preaching in Cuba on November, uh, the whatever, second week in November, we'll be down there teaching this same exact word to the people in Cuba who do not have the freedom we have, nor do they have the resources or the wealth that we have. Matter of fact, the average Cuban uh, lives on about 30 to $33 a month. Uh, about $360 a year income. And do not sit there in our ignorance and think, well, it's all relative. No, it's not. It, it's, it's poor. Poor is poor. Socialism produces poorness, and socialism produces uh, a, a dependency upon a government in which God never intended for that to happen. And I believe that this word has the ability to even break those. And set people free. Matter of fact, all the team that was with us on our last trip in Cuba can tell you about one particular church we went to that absolutely, we drove onto the compound and we were like, where are we? We could have been in any city in America because of the prosperity, the blessing, the spirit of excellence, the, the worship team was just unbelievable. I mean, we, were, we felt like we were in the heavenlies in worship. Even though I couldn't understand the words, the same spirit of Christ that was in them was in us, and we were touched by it. But when we met with a pastor afterwards, Pastor Chan, I'll never forget him, Chinese uh, immigrant to Cuba uh, who's been uh, preaching, started a church 38 years, 38 nine years ago now. And he told me, he said, pastor, from the day my wife and I started this church, we have taught the principle of tithe and offering. And I said, no wonder you have something that most of the other churches in this nation don't have. How is that possible? Because the word does not fail. And so this morning, I want to talk about living a blessed life. I want to talk about keeping God first in your life. And if you're not yet putting God first in your life, you got to put God first before you can keep him first. Can you say amen to that? you got to put God first in your life. Then you can come to a place where you can keep him first in your life. So I want to just kind of fly through. I'm going to, I'm going to read a lot of notes today because I have a lot to say. And I want to, by the grace of God, try to get through this. Lord, help me. Amen. 
All right. So first things first, one, you know, one of our sayings, uh, one of my sayings anyhow, is that we need to keep first things first or keep the main thing the main thing. And too many in the body of Christ uh, don't keep the main thing the main thing in their life. And therefore, they get off on all kind of other stuff. And it brings a lot of confusion instead of freedom in their life. So there's a lot of biblical truth in these statements, uh, and I, I want to just kind of expound on these today and talk a little bit about what it means uh, to put God first in your life and the biblical understanding, not just in the new covenant, but all the way back to the old covenant. And you're going to see how Jesus Christ came to fulfill the old covenant, not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And you're going to see how in the old covenant, it literally set the stage for the new covenant, especially in the area of giving. I am going to be talking about money today a little bit, talk about the tithe, the offering, talk about our heart to give and uh, what that all means. So um, Lord, help me again. All right, I'm believing that. I've, I've confessed it three times. I believe it's going to happen. All right, so there's a lot of biblical truth in these two statements. So what is the first thing or the main thing we're living the blessed life is concerned? First of all, we need to know some facts. And I've shared these with you in the past. But, you know, there are over, uh, there, there are about 500 verses, maybe a few more, a few less, uh, in the Bible concerning prayer. How many of you think if God talks about prayer 500 times, it's really important and we should pray? This right here says, pray first. It's a reminder to me. I wear it every day. I want to make sure that I remind myself that every day in every circumstance, every situation that I am going to learn to pause and pray first. Not easy for me. I'm a high D. I, I find myself halfway, three quarters of the way through a situation. And then all of a sudden I pick up my hand to write something or type something and go, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm supposed to pray first. And I have to back it down, put it in reverse because I, 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 my personality is just, I'm going to take it. I'm going to run with it and I'm going to do my best. But sometimes doing my best is not the best if it's not what God's saying. Amen. Anybody identify with me? High D's in the room. Thank you very much. All right. There's also 500 verses concerning faith. How many of you believe without faith it's impossible to please God? Let me see your hand. Without faith, you can't please God. So, so we recognize, wow, 500 verses about prayer, 500 verses about faith. Those are really important things. But listen to this. More than 2,000 verses in the Word of God from the Old Covenant through the New Covenant talk about money and possessions. Wow. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Doesn't say without money, it's impossible to please God. And yet, there's more conversation in the Word about money and our possessions and our heart and what we possess and what possesses us. Ouch. And where they line up in our lives. You know, I used to say this, and I never say it again because my wife asked me a long time ago. She said, just don't preach it that way. So, so in, in honor of her, I'm not going to just tell you what I used to say, okay? <laughs> I, I'm not preaching anymore, but, but, but I used to say a long time ago before I had the wisdom I have today is give me 30 minutes in your checkbook, and I'll tell you what God you serve. <laughs> Amen or ouch? Because what? We possess, or what possesses us, really comes out of the condition of our heart. Amen? 
So we're going to talk about this. Listen to this. Jesus spoke about money in 16 of his 38 parables that he told in the New, Co- in the New Covenant recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 16 of the 38 had to do with money. So obviously we need to understand money and how to handle it. And uh, so I want to look at this first principle uh, as one that, first of all, I needed desperately in my own life. I needed to grasp this as a young man who loved God, but listen to me, I loved God, but I walked in biblical ignorance. When I married my wife, I was in biblical ignorance, not arrogance. Maybe that too, a little bit, <laughs> but, but ignorance. I, I, I love God, but I didn't know what the word of God said. So it wasn't having an impact on my life, even though it was powerful, it's mighty, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, but only when you apply it to your life. You can carry the Bible around all you want, put it in your car. The other day we were at a, we stopped at a Starbucks in, in Arkansas and we're walking in. My wife walked in. She turned around. And sure enough, I wasn't there with her. I was outside having a divine appointment with this guy because he had two big Bibles open. So, you know, I just had to say something about it. And he said, I said, man, that is a huge Bible you have. What is it? He said, oh, you probably never heard of it. It's called the Dakes Bible. I'm like, dude, I had a Dake's Bible when I was a student at Christ for Nation. I was proud. I mean, you, you had to use two arms to carry that thing around. It was so big. We thought that uh, the, the, the weight of our Bible showed our spirituality, you know, so you carried a big Dake's Bible, but it was a great Bible. And I, I literally wore that thing out. His was worn out. It didn't even have a cover on it. He just had the pages. And, and so we were chatting about that and, and the re- realization of how important it is to get the word of God in us. So this principle uh, of first fruits, which is what comes out of this old covenant that I want to really deal with this morning, first of all, is the principle of the firstborn or the tithe. The firstborn or the tithe. And if you're writing notes, and you should be this morning because I'm going to give you a lot or else go download them on the new version. These two things are radically important. You're going to see how in the old covenant, the firstborn, the new covenant, the tithe are tied together and the the necessity we have to understand these um, and not to live confused about tithing and the principle of first fruits. So the truth we're going to look at is these two words this morning, sacrificed or redeemed. Sacrificed or redeem. We find an important financial president established in the 13th chapter of Exodus. And it says this, Exodus chapter 13, verse two, it says, God's speaking here. And he says, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel. Listen to this, both a man and beast, it is mine. God's speaking here. And he said, whatever opens the womb of either man or beast, it is mine. Here, godly, God plainly declares that the firstborn of anything and everything belongs to him. In fact, you'll find God declaring that the firstborn is his, listen to this, 16 times in the word of God. The firstborn is rightfully his. Example, Exodus chapter 13, follow along, verse 12, that you shall, the scripture's up here on the screen, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. 
and all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Some of you are sitting here going, where are we going with all this sacrifice and redeem stuff? What's vital that we understand something about the principle of the firstborn. According to Old Covenant or Old Testament law, the firstborn was to either be sacrificed or redeemed. There was no third option. Every time one of your livestock animals delivered its firstborn, you were to sacrifice it, or if it was designated unclean, you had to redeem it with a clean, listen to this, spotless lamb. Something about that. And there's something about the reason I don't eat lamb. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I just don't like lamb. I, I love the, 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 the lamb of God, but I don't like uh, the little whatever they are. To summarize, the clean firstborn had to be sacrificed. The unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. With that in mind, think about the account in the New Testament in which John the Baptist meets Jesus on the banks of the Jordan River. Listen to this, John chapter 1, verse 29. John's baptizing one day, and he looks up to see Jesus walking towards him. At that point, John cries out, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God is among you. With that inspired declaration, John defined the role that Jesus had come to fulfill. Jesus was God's firstborn. Jesus was clean, perfect, and unblemished in every way. On the other hand, every one of us are born unclean. We are all sinners with a fully active sin nature in our lives. That's how we're born. Little Luke this morning, when we dedicate him, he, he's how old is he now? He's seven months old. I mean, I was there right after he was born, he's a little tiny tot, and you look at that thing, and he's so beautiful and so innocent looking, but just let him have a few years. <laughs> and there's going to be something inside of him that reveals he needs Jesus. It might be a year or two or three or five or seven, but there will come a time when the recognition of Christ is necessary in his life. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now think back to the principle of the firstborn again in Exodus. Remember, the law stated that if the firstborn animal was clean, it was to be sacrificed. But if the firstborn was unclean, it had to be redeemed with a clean animal. You're saying, what is all of that? You got to stick with me. Don't walk out of here. Do you see the symbolic parallel between Jesus Christ, who was God's firstborn son, and he was born clean. He was born pure, a spotless lamb. But every one of us are born unclean. Therefore, Jesus was sacrificed to redeem you and me. He was sacrificed. He had to be sacrificed because he was God's firstborn. When he redeemed us by a sacrifice, he, brought, he bought us, not brought us, he bought us back for God. He was literally a first fruits offering. In a very real sense, Jesus was God's tithe. I've said it for years here as I've preached and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. God gave his only son because he wanted millions of sons and daughters. And without the firstborn, being sacrificed, the rest of us could never be redeemed. It's powerful. So God gave his tithe, Jesus, in faith before, listen to this, we ever believed. Notice that God gave him to us 
before we believed. He was sacrificed and redemption was set in order for you to rightfully have as sons and daughters of the created. But he gave Jesus in faith. And listen to this, knowing that you have every right to receive him or every right to reject him. The heart of God is, it, the scripture said, Jesus said it this way, that not one would be lost. But how many know many are lost? Many hear the gospel but do not respond. Many hear about the goodness of God, but they never receive him as Lord and Savior of their life. God gave his tithe, Jesus, in faith for us. Romans chapter 5, 8 says it this way. God demonstrates his own love towards you and I, us, in that while we were still sinners, come on, Christ died for us. He died for me before I ever was willing to receive him as Lord and Savior of my life. God had given Jesus in faith that I would respond to him and his love. That is so powerful. And that is why our responsibility as the church, the bride, the body of Jesus Christ is to, as disciples, and I don't have time to get off on this and preach it so y'all don't say anything and I'll just fly right through it, but we have to get out of these four walls every single Sunday and go back into the world, which is our mission, and take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who are lost. They have to have a right to hear. And how can they hear unless we, the voice of Jesus Christ, go to where they are? In our neighborhood, hold it. First, before your neighborhood, your own family. Man, you got to love enough to love the truth to your family, your siblings, whether they ever choose it or not. You can't save them, but they can't get saved without the word that's in you. Wow, that's good. So we have a responsibility, and then we go from our family to our neighborhoods, and we go from our neighborhoods to where we work and live and breathe and spend 10, 20, 30, 40 years of our life around people. If we spend 30 years with people and they never, ever once hear the gospel from us, shame on us. Because what we're saying is we don't really love God. We don't really love God. We don't really believe that his word is that if they're not saved, they will spend eternity separated from God. And we never did anything to persuade them to consider the love of the Father in their life. So we have to give our first fruits offering, our tithe, in much the same way before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. And we'll talk about this, this tithe thing for, for a few moments here. The, the tithe... So many people, so many churches, matter of fact, so many churches in Cuba, the reason I'm going back to Cuba, and I shared this with you guys, going through 15 of the 16 provinces, every province where we gave the Bibles away, Holy Spirit said, I'm calling you to go back and take the word that you gave them, and out of that very word, I want you to preach my truth on tithe and offering, the principle of the kingdom of God, the principle of seed time and harvest, the principle of living to give and give to live, because until they grasp hold of it and, and begin to teach it to their own people, they will never change. They will spend their whole lives in poverty and they'll never be broken over them. You say, Pastor, are you serious? You really think that the word of God can overcome a wicked government or a government of communism or socialism? Absolutely, yes, it can because God is not limited to any government to be our source. 
Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, blessed of God. They were in slavery. They were in bondage. They were out of their nation being held captive. (laughs) And God raised Daniel all the way up to be number two in the king's court. How'd that happen? God. Because his word will never fail. He's just looking for somebody. Daniel was set apart because he made a decision that the word would not. I I cannot preach this. I got to get back to my notes. So God gave Jesus in faith that that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. In this sense, Jesus is God's tithe. God gave Jesus first in faith even when we were sinners, even while we were mocking him and spitting in his face while he was dying. God still gave his son. You say, well, I never spit on Jesus. Oh, yeah, our sin is what put Jesus on the cross. Don't sit there and go, oh, yeah, it was the Roman soldiers. No, no, it was my sin that he died for. No man could take his life. He gave his life. He could have come off that tree. You think that God could not have brought Christ off that tree? God had him hanging on that tree so we could be redeemed. So we could be set free. So God didn't wait to see if we would first change or repent or make ourselves worthy, God was establishing through his act the principle of first things first. So when we get saved, we come to the knowledge of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We, we come to this place where we have to begin to say, this is the word of the Lord, and the tithe and the offering, it's really all about this thing. It's about your heart and your trust meter. Can I, will I trust God? with what God requires of me. So let let me say this, just to make sure that you're very clear and understanding. God does not need our money. It was never about money. It It was always a heart issue. It was always a trust issue because the reality of it is wherever your treasure is, that's, that's where your heart is. So we could say, yes, I love God, but then God says, I want 10 cents of every, uh, um, dollar that you make. And you say, well, I don't trust God that much. I trust God that he's got a a mansion for me in heaven, but I can't trust him with 10 cents of my dollar here on earth. Well, then what you're saying is you don't trust God. And what God wants you to do, God doesn't come to beat us up over that. He understands us. So he gave us his word. And his word was established. Jesus was his word established to set a place where you and I could begin to hear and obey the voice of God and begin to apply it to our life. And hear me, it applies to every single one of us. I, I was, we were just in a pastor's meeting all week uh, with a bunch of the uh, spiritual sons of my spiritual father, my apostle, my pastor for 41 years, who, as you know, went to be with the Lord last year. And so we're gathering about uh, nine of us. We're gathering nine out of 33 of us still meet together and, and encourage one another. And we got on this subject of, of the tithe and the offering and, the, and the, the need for this truth to continually be taught because, and, and, and let me just say, we teach this about once a year here at The Rock. We don't badger, we don't beg, and you know, we never beg. 
And we never, ever present you something that's going to try to move your emotions to get you stirred to give to something. The reality is I, is I bragged on God and bragged on you as a house as I was sharing with the guys that, that over the four years that we uh, bought Bibles for Cuba, you, the people of this house, above and beyond your tithe, your offering, your seed time uh, giving, we gave $475,000 to buy Bibles for Cuba. Come on, somebody. I, I think we ought to say thank you, Lord. Look, I know y'all. I don't even know how it happened. I mean, I know us. I know our capabilities naturally. But guess what? We didn't give naturally. Every kid coming to, coming to children's church, coming to jam, buying Bibles. I mean, week after week, never a week in four years was there not an offering given to buy a Bible for Cuba. Wow. We were buying up into the kingdom of God. It wasn't just about buying paperback and a hardback and, and presenting some. It was buying into the word of the Lord that has the ability, hear me, to change a nation. To change a nation. And so out of that, we come back to this reality of, well, what is the tithe and what do I need to do with it? And what is my responsibility? So I'm leaving my notes for a little bit, might not come back. Uh, but uh, the tithe is very simple, okay? The tithe is the first tenth, the first fruit of your income. So if you make $100 a week, you owe God how much? $10. But God's so particular it's not any 10, it's the first 10. So you say, hold it, pastor. You're saying if I make $100 and I pay my electric bill and I pay my rent and buy my groceries, got my gas, and I'm down to $22 left and I bring the 10, it's not a tithe, not according to God. Because it wasn't given in faith. See, the first says to God, to Satan, and to your own heart. When you pay the first fruit of the increase of your labor, whatever that is in your life, the increase of your labor. For Suzanne and I, whatever we are blessed with is God's increase in our life. So when y'all blessed us last month with a wonderful love offering, the first thing we did was wrote a tithe to the penny for the first fruit of that offering. But then your income, your, tithe, your, your, your salary, your monthly income, whatever it is that, that God uses to bring increase into your life, we owe the first of that to God. Not because God needs it, because God wants to find out if you really believe what you say with your mouth about your heart. Y'all getting real quiet on me. This sets you free. Sets you free. Again, you don't ever have to give anything. You can just hope and pray. That confessing Jesus is all you need. Yet there's an obedience that comes with following Christ. It's an obedience. It, it's, 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 it's that simple. So you make 100, you owe God 10. You make 1,000, you owe God 100. You make 10,000, you owe God 1,000. You make 100,000, you owe God 10,000. You make a million, how many of y'all want to owe God $100,000? I want to owe God. I was like, God, I want to owe you $100,000. But I'm not tithing $100,000 when I'm making $30,000. We, we've actually, in this house, 
twice, Pastor Tad and I have had to go to some precious people in this house and say, look, you're giving too much. You got to stop. And appreciate their heart. But, but we understand their living situation, their circumstance. And I, I'm like, you, you don't owe all that to God. You, you, you give God the first tenth. And then you give your offering. And they say, well, pastor, that's what we're doing. I said, you're still giving too much. The, when they were building the house of God, the tabernacle, the people got so excited about obeying God that finally the king had to go, that's it. We're done. We have no more warehouses to handle your gold and your silver. Come on, somebody. Can you imagine? It, see, if the church in America, if the church in America was faithful with this one simple principle, we would never have any need for anybody in our ranks to ever be on welfare, food stamps, or any other thing because we could take care with an abundance. Man, that's good. We could take care. Man, I have so many good notes here. <laughs> that dad burn clock. I got to go back and, and, and go through some of this. Listen to this. So in the sense, Jesus gives God's tithe. God gave Jesus in faith while we were sinners. God didn't wait to see if we would repent. He just gave his son. Some of us, most of us in this room today have repented. Lord, we need you. But have you ever wondered how God could justify, when you go back to the old covenant, how God could justify taking the lives of Egypt's firstborn in the final plague described in the book of Exodus? I read that sometimes, and in my natural flesh, I go, that seems kind of extreme. It's because the firstborn belongs to him. From the beginning, God had a legal right to take every firstborn because every one of them in Egypt, listen, and in Israel belonged to him. But the firstborn in Israel didn't die that night when the Lord said, I require of you, your firstborn. All across Egypt, the welling, the weeping, the screaming, the crying, all the way to Pharaoh's house, the firstborn of every family, the firstborn son of every family died that night. But that night, the Israelites did not die. The question is why? Because a lamb was sacrificed to redeem them. A spotless, perfect lamb took their place. You recall, God instructed Moses to, to, to apply the blood of the sacrificed lamb to the doorpost of each home. And he said to them, apply the blood to the mantle over the top, and then to the doorpost. And when he did, with, a, with the blood of a spotless lamb, a cross was made over every house in Israel. And all throughout the land, young boys were dying, except in the house of Israel. Imagine yourself standing outside of one of those doors dipping a hyssop branch in the lamb's blood, see yourself applying the blood first on the left side of the door frame, then go across and apply it on the right side, and then reaching up and applying the blood in the middle of the mantle on the top so the blood would drip down. The same blood that Jesus shed on the cross was for you and I to be redeemed. We do not have to die outside of the love of God. 
You cannot talk about the tithe and the offering without talking about the blood of Christ and the price that the firstborn, the first son, was required of him. So much so that he cried out in the garden. He prayed with such intensity that his sweat began to be blood as it came out of his forehead. He's praying intensely. God, is there any other way that you can perform your will? Nevertheless, your will be done. And Jesus allowed himself to be taken, to be beaten, to have a crown of thorns placed upon his brow, a spear stuck in his side, nails into his feet and into his arms. And on that cross, his blood, every ounce of blood in his body dropped. And God turned his head as he took your sin and my sin upon himself. Also that we would have the right and the privilege to receive that blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The tithe, and I close with this, I just have to, I can't look at my notes. The tithe is this. You're giving the first and the best. You're not giving money. You're not giving paper. You're not just giving a coin. This week, someone sewed into my life a coin, very precious to them. In agreement, they wanted me to stand in agreement for something with them. And they said in front of all the other brothers, I believe this is for the firstborn of Apostle Nolan Ball, the spiritual son that was first sent out. There's something significant and specific about it. Don't have time to go into all the details. But he picked up a coin and he said, this was sold into my life. I'm going to sew it into you. It was a beautiful coin, an 1850 penny. That's the size of a quarter. And, and, and irregardless to what its value is, the value of what he was transferring was powerful. And what Jesus transferred to you and I was the ability to receive his blood to be cleansed. And then in turn, we receive his forgiveness, his cleansing, his healing, and then we begin to work and be faithful. And God says, now, bring your tithe into the storehouse. And I'll wrap this up next week with the tithe, the storehouse, and our seed, and the significance of it all. But listen to this. That tithe that you pay, that's not, that's not just a piece of paper you write on. That is your sweat and blood, your life source. You gave the best hours of every day and the best days of your week. Not at home with your kids, not playing at the beach, not going to Disney World, but literally working and giving the sweat and the blood of your life. And you, and you exchange it, your life, your energy, your abilities, your graces, your anointings, you trade it in exchange. You don't want a pat on the back come Friday. You want your boss to say, I appreciate you. Here's what I owe you. And you take that and you say to God, I'm giving you the first and the best of my life. I'm sacrificing in obedience. And so I give that which I gave my life to in exchange for all the promises of God that are yes and amen. The tithe opens up the windows of heaven. The tithe is a most, one of the most powerful forms of worship you will ever walk in, is when you pay that tithe. But it all comes down to this, and I close. The condition of your heart. God freely gave, and you have a right to freely receive. And that love that he gave through his son, Jesus Christ, has the power to change you, to cleanse you, to heal you, and to redeem you. 
and to establish you forever in eternal life. The beginning of eternity is not when you die, but it's when you die here on the earth to yourself and say, I need God in my life. And I'm going to trust him with my whole life, my heart, everything that's within me. You say, well, pastor, I'm just not there yet. You know, I give 3%. God didn't ask for 3%. What if God only gave you 3% of Jesus' blood to cleanse you? He gave it fully. And fully, he requires back. And fully, his power through our obedience has the impact to change our lives forever. I'm a living testimony of it. I shouldn't be here, shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, shouldn't have the abilities that I have, shouldn't go to the places I go to. The only thing that marked me different than others in my family was obedience to the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not better, just forgiven. Not more important, just set on a path that says every part of our lives, we want to honor God with it. And so we begin with the first. Would you bow your heads for just a moment, close your eyes. Through this teaching on the joy of giving and what Christ did for us on Calvary and for his call back into our lives to be faithful and obedient with what he has blessed us with. It really comes back to this very simple thing, the salvation of our lives. This morning, if you have not yet trusted God with your life, maybe you've even prayed a prayer, but you haven't, con you haven't trusted him with your finances. You haven't brought that under the Lordship of Jesus Christ yet, under his blood. This morning, I wanna pray a prayer and lead you in a simple prayer that says, Lord, you gave me your best and your first, and today I wanna receive it. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to give you the first and the best back of my life. If that's you this morning, believers are praying for you, heads are bowed out of respect and honor. This is between you and Holy Spirit. But today, you're ready to trust God with your whole life. Would you just lift up your hand and hold it? Let me lead you in a simple prayer this morning that has the ability. Yes, sir. God bless you, young man. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. This, this, is, this is beyond just going and doing and playing. This is obedience to every part of the most important parts of your life. Real quick, anybody else want to join these four men? Wow, thank God for four men that are willing to say, I'm ready today to trust God with my whole life. All right, pray with me and pray this out loud. Father God, thank you for giving your first and your best through Jesus Christ, who was willing to come and to die on the cross for my benefit. You gave me your best. And today, Father, I'm giving you my best back. I'm giving you my life. And I'm, I'm, I want to trust you. And I want my heart to be completely after you. And so I'm bringing this thing this money thing, this tithe thing under the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And I'm choosing today to serve you all the rest of the days of my life with joy 
that I'm going to learn to be a joyful giver, joyfully obedient to all that you have for me and all that you've required. I commit this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.